Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for the way you love us. God, thank you for Christmas time, the opportunity to stop and reflect on your faithfulness, your goodness, your love made manifest in your son. And so lift our heads tonight as we open your word and remind us by your spirit of all the promises that you have for us, God, the hope that we desperately need and attach to that the joy and the peace that you offer in this season. God, we love you. We're grateful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. You guys high five someone around you, hug someone, tell them Merry Christmas. You grab a seat. Um, welcome. So glad that you're here. Merry Christmas to everybody. And I'm so glad that you took the time. Make this part of your family tradition at Christmas time. Come and worshiping together. If you're new to Soma, this is your first time with us. Maybe you're joining uh, someone, your coworker, a friend, or family member. Um, we're so glad that you're here. Hopefully, you feel at home. And we love you. More importantly, God does. Our whole purpose as a church, the reason why we exist, we believe. Is so that we can help as many people as possible know God so they can find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If we could do that and partner with you or just help you and be a vehicle for you to do that, we would love that. If you don't have a place to call home or people to call family, um, and we, we would love to, to host you here at the beginning of this, this new year. Um, we're, we've been in a series called, um, well, we've been talking about Fruits of the Spirit, and, and we're going to continue that series in the new year in a conversation on overflow. But um, I was thinking and praying about tonight and what I could share, uh, you know, what we traditionally hear around Christmas time. We could talk about Luke 2. We could talk about shepherds out in the, in the field watching their flocks by night. We could talk about Matthew 2. We could talk about the Magi coming and worshiping King Jesus. And they're a little bit late to the party, but they're a part of your nativity scene too, right? Uh, we could talk about Isaiah. We could talk about prophetic words about the coming of Christ. But um, there's a great passage in Galatians. We've been in Galatians 5 as a church, and this passage in Galatians 4 is the Christmas uh, story. It just speaks to this season, but really it speaks to the why behind Christmas, and I love it. Galatians 4, 4 through 5, the Apostle Paul says, But when the right time came, which is the fullness of time, God had planned from the beginning this time. God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And this is the reason for Christmas. So attached to all the parties and all the family gatherings and all the food we eat, music we listen to, movies we watch, all that kind of stuff, Santa, all the whole thing. Attached to all of that, really the purpose and the emphasis, uh, Christ's coming, and as amazing as it is to celebrate his birth and his coming, all of that is for you and I who were born under the law to be redeemed and freed from it. So Christmas is really about Easter. And so um, really it's about, it's about us celebrating the coming of Christ, and it matters because we know how it plays out. And we matters because, it matters to us because we know the resurrection is coming, and it has implications for our own. And so when we place our faith and our trust in Jesus, 
we've been talking about in this series the past few weeks, the idea that God begins to make us look more like Jesus. We said the same God that saves you is the same one that sanctifies you. So all of a sudden, I begin to look more like love. I begin to look more like joy. I begin to look more like peace, very Advent uh, flow for the first part of Galatians 5. And tonight, we're going to talk about hope. Now, hope is not a fruit of the Spirit, but hope is a vehicle for all of it. So you, as a matter of fact, you can't have joy or peace without hope. And so Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So as I put my hope in Jesus, as I put my hope in God, it gives me more joy and more peace. Um, and then it goes on, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, it's God's work in my life, and he gives me the hope, and it begins to overflow out of my life and impact the people around me. But God is the source, is what Paul says, and that he may fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, as you put your hope in God. So the question is, like, what is hope? And so everybody, if I were to ask you, we'd all have different definitions. So I think it's good from where are we coming at from a biblical standpoint? When we say the word hope, what do we mean? Let's start with what hope isn't. Hope is not optimism. So hope isn't, a lot of times optimism can operate, if we're not careful, with like a denial of reality. Like ship is sinking, you're going down. Optimism is like, we're good, everybody's good. It's like, no, bro, your ship is sinking, my man. Like, it's not good. And hope looks at the situation and says, yeah, it's bad. It's, yeah, it's not good. It's real jacked up. Uh, but I still trust. I still believe uh, in, in the promises that God has. So it's, it's, a, it's a hope and a certain hope outside of the situation. That's what biblical, there's three layers to biblical hope. The first one is wishful hope. We see this in the Bible. This is primarily what, when, when we're thinking of hope, this is what we think of. I hope this light turns green before I get to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hope, like if I'm driving on 127, if I could just get four green lights in a row in Jesus' name, whoever designed that street, whatever, right? It says, I hope, I just hope. I hope that uh, the teacher gives us an extra day on this assignment because your boy did not come prepared. I hope this happens. I hope we are grading on a curve. Ooh, I hope. I hope my team wins. This is wishful hope. There's another layer of hope, which is expectant hope which is based in reality. There's some basis for your hope. So, for example, if in the spring you plant a garden and you put some seeds in the ground and you water it and you do all the things you're supposed to do to prepare for a garden, you hope that plants come out of the ground, right? There's some basis for your hope, some activity attached to it. But then there's certain hope. There's certain hope. And this is what the Bible talks about when the Bible talks about anchoring our soul in hope. So certain hope is just... It's just, oh, man, you're rooted, you're believing, you're trusting in this thing. Hope is, 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 um, is this way. This certain hope is this way. And it's, it's always focused on the future. Because in church world, a lot of times we get confused between the difference of faith and hope. and Because um, it is confusing. But faith is, is primarily focused on the personal relationship side of things with God. So God has been faithful in the past. There's a track record. There's a lot of things that we've built trust on over the course of my lifetime. Here's what God's done in my life. Here's what God's currently doing. Here's what God's going to do. I can have faith for the future. But hope, I can only hope for the future. I don't hope for the past. I only hope for the future. It's primarily uh, and always focused on what's to come. And it is it's an important ingredient for faith. And, and they seem to, to play off of one another. You can't have one without the other. You can't have faith without hope. If you didn't have 
the hope of heaven, you wouldn't need to believe in it. Right. And likewise, if you didn't have faith in God based on what he's already done and is doing in your life, it'd be hard to hope for a future without knowing what he's already done. So hope is the expectation that God is going to do something in and through you. And faith is the confidence of that expectation. This is what Hebrews 11 tells us. It says faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. And so hope's a really big deal in the Christian life. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us there's really only three things that last, faith, hope, and love. Those three things remain. Everything else does not. And so you and I, we put our hope in all kinds of things, right? And so I'll, I'll have wishful hope, and sometimes I'll have a, an expectation, like a hope attached to some basis in reality. But if we're not careful, we'll have certain hope in places that it doesn't belong, You'll, you'll lean against things that cannot hold your hope. Last year, we decided we moved to a new neighborhood. And when we moved to the new neighborhood, we decided going into last Christmas, we were going to up our game on just being fun. We're just not very fun, if we're being honest. Okay, just like it was like Christmas tree wreath was just kind of lame. You know, we're like, let's just up our game in like the decorations and the light situation. So we, we saw all of these um, Christmas balls that people were making out of chicken wire and you wrap lights around them and you hang them in a tree. And I was like, that's beautiful. That's awesome. That's clearly takes no time and it's super easy to do. And it's like, whatever. Anyway, like a whole day and a half later, we had them made, had them hung. I was way more uh, emotionally involved in these things than anyone in my family. So like, I was very proud of these things. Like when I pulled into the driveway, I would like slow roll into the driveway, roll all of my kids' windows down because they could stare and look at what dad had done. You know what I mean? You know, you have an amazing dad. Isn't that awesome? So anyway, they were, they, were, they were pleased. It was good. Good season. But at the end of Christmas, it was time to take down the decorations. And um, I don't even remember the scenario. Uh, but I, I, think, I think we were back and forth on whether or not. I'm looking at my wife right now. I think we were back and forth on whether or not to even take them down. I'm hard-headed. I'm like, no, I'm going to take them down. So I go out there by myself, extension ladder, and... Um, Thinking that the, the ladder is secure, I got a good footing where it needs to be, place it up against this tree, big tree, nice big tree. I'm, I'm really trusting this tree, very secure in this placement of this ladder in this tree. I'm, I'm not a small man. I need this tree to hold me up. I get about 12, 14 feet up off the ground, and I get one of these lights in my hand. And as I get it in my hand, um, I feel it. And what I feel is nothing. Nothing underneath me. The la- like there is nothing underneath me anymore. And, uh, and I begin to fall. And it happens like this, but it feels like I had a long time for, the, for all this. to t- like, You know, your life flashes before you or whatever. So, um, and you know that thing that you do sometimes when you're driving in the car and you hit a bump, but you're holding a coffee or something like that, and like your body adjusts? No, just me? Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, really? Like, you know what I mean? Like we have shocks. You know, okay, cool. Like built-in shock system. Like if you're holding a chicken and the chicken's head stays in the same place and you can move its body around, I'm from the south. Anyway, so it's like God designed us this way. So it's it's like when you hit a bump. So I kind of do that thing. When the ladder falls and I begin to fall, my arm adjusts. Well, I have an old shoulder injury, like football injury, where I dislocated his shoulder. And so right away, my body stupidly compensates for me falling and throws my arm out of socket as I'm holding this light ball. And now I have to figure out, as I fall, I'm thinking about how mangled my legs are going to be in a minute. Like, I have to figure out, like, where do I turn my body so I don't die? 
And, and then I land, I catch, I catch the, la- the ladder, land straight on the ground, and then I catch it on my stomach, like right across my stomach, and I'm just like, land. now, I held the light ball the entire time. But I, I, land, I land like this, and I'm like laying on the ground over this ladder, holding this thing with my shoulder dislocated. And the first thing that I did, and this will tell you a lot about me, first thing I did was I stood up real quick to see if any of the neighbors were paying attention. Because my pride mattered more than whatever was happening with my body. I was hurting. It had no idea what was broken. But I was like, okay, cool. No one saw. And so then I'm like doing like, literally, I'm doing like this to get to the front door. And I get to the front door and Brooke goes to the door. And Brooke is like, what happened? Like, what even happened? You went to go take down lights. It was like somebody beat you up. And uh, all that to say, um, I had a lot of trust, a lot of hope in my setup. Had not for one second thought this ladder will just fall off of this tree and then it will have implications for me. I'm still dealing with the consequences of that stupid decision like a year later, right? Between chiropractor appointments and physical therapy, all that good stuff, right? But it's just, that's, that's what a lot of us experience when we place our hope, our certain hope in things that can't hold it. So again, not, not an expectancy hope, not a wishful hope, but I know this person won't let me down. I know this job I know this income, I know my health, I know my youth, I know my wherever we put our certain hope, and it's not meant to hold it. And so where you place your hope is imperative to your joy and your peace. We read that in Romans 15. So, again, just, just so we remember, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? As you trust in him. As I place my hope and, and I lean into the thing that can actually hold it, I'm given over to joy and peace because it can sustain me. But you and I, the majority of the time, we're putting our hope in places and in people that can't hold it. And then we, it gives us over to a place of hopelessness. And, and here's some of the symptoms. Here's what hopelessness looks like. There's just some examples. Um, one is you feel abandoned. You feel lonely. You can be in a room like this, too, and feel very isolated. But just this is what hopelessness feels like. When, uh, when life seems out of control, so maybe you struggle in a certain way, or you have a family member who's predisposed, struggle, maybe ha- has a struggle with addiction in a specific place, and you can't get control of it, and it just feels like, man, this is a hopeless situation managing this. Number three, you don't see a purpose in your pain, or you don't see a purpose in the hard things that you go through. So you could go through hard things in life. As long as you see like a purpose attached to those hard things. It's only when we're going through hard things and suffering and things like that. We have no idea why we're having to navigate this season. That feels hopeless, right? How about this one? You're grieving a loss. Again, that sounds like number three. Why am I enduring this? Why am I going through this? I've lost this loved one. I've lost this friend. I've lost this family member. Five, you don't have what you need. Like I desperately need more money. Like I know, I I know. I've I've been there. We've had friends that have been there. Other people in our church family have been there. You kind of come to the end of yourself financially. You're like, okay, like I need need more than what I have currently. I don't have enough to to make enough. And then um, number six, when you've done something wrong. So shame can create hopelessness. When you don't feel forgiven, you don't forgive, forgive yourself. You don't feel forgiven by God or by others. Or number seven, when you've done, uh, when you when something's been done to you, been deeply wounded by someone. Number eight, when you've been pulled in the wrong direction. Number nine, when you've been hounded by fear. I'm just seeing if any of these hit for you. And I know that one feels a little bit foreign to the majority of us. Maybe you had a bully or you have a bully in your life. 
But there are people, there are parts of the world that people are terrorized. There are parts of the world where people are at war. There are kids that wake up in the morning, go to school, and there's bombs going off. And so, like, a hopeless situation, that's what, that's what that feels like, hounded by fear. And then number 10, when it looks like defeat. So when, it, when you're in a space and you're in a season, relationship, time, whatever, where it just feels like there's no way out of this. There's no way out. And it just feels like defeat. If you've ever been a part of a game, like you played a sport or you, you know, you're out on the field and you have two, two teams out on the court, you got two teams, everyone's doing math, paying attention to the scoreboard, also paying attention how much time we got. Because at some point, we're out of time. We can't make up whatever ground we need to make up. And then what happens when the team decides they don't have enough time to be able to make it up? Ball game, right? It just They're racking up even more points, right? They just kind of they quit. They completely quit. So that's what hopelessness looks like. And uh, we can get there because we place our hope, again, in people, in things, in stuff, in seasons of life and whatever that cannot hold a certain hope, when we put our ladder up against that, it just won't hold it. I promise you. They're going to let you down. At some point, if you place your certain hope in things or people that can't hold it, aren't built, built to hold it, um, you know, they'll let you down. And we're primarily, there's four places, really deep places that we go uh, when it comes to placing our hope. So these are, these are called source idols. So Tim Keller, people smarter than me, call these source idols. These are primarily what we're drawn to. Things that we trust in, a lot of times more than God, and we'll put our hope here. For example, comfort. So comfort is a great example. It's a draw to us. The idol of comfort is, is one to be aware of more than, now more than ever because everything now in 2022, everything is marketed towards how easy it is for you. It's all about your comfort, which I'm, not, I'm a fan of comfort. Do we have any people who are fans of comfort? You're like, yeah, what are we talking about? Yeah. But I'm, I'm all about it. Like, you mean I can put that in an app? I can, like, plug that in the Chick-fil-A app? You will bring that junk to me. I don't even have to put on pants. I can just walk to the door, get that. You just have, done. Sold. Right? And so everything now is about how can we make it easy for people? How can we appeal and market towards their experience? It's all about you. You can have it your way. I want it when I want it. It's all about, it's all about marketing and tailored towards comfort. And comfort is hard for most of us because of where we live and the time that we live in. It's easier than ever to make it a false hope. And there's nothing wrong with comfort until we make a good thing a God thing. As a matter of fact, all these things that I'm going to give you are really gifts from God. And what happens over time is instead of seeing them as gifts from God, we treat them as ends and of themselves. And so we go, you know what? I don't care what God has to say on this topic. I'd rather be comfortable. I don't really want to be obedient to Jesus. I'd rather be comfortable. And he's like, all right, time out. You're making a good thing a God thing. And so, and it just won't hold your hope. There's, um, when stress and demands that come with a fallen world crash into, crash into us, when we put our hope in comfort, what happens is we begin to lash out at the people around us. I'm angry when I don't get what makes me comfortable. And primarily we take it out on the people who are closest to us. So darling, it is your fault that I'm not comfortable. Kids, it is your fault I'm not comfortable. Coworkers, friends, family, whatever, it's your fault that I'm not getting the comfort that I'm after. And so when comfort is the place that we put our hope, it creates this crazy amount of stress in our lives because it's really unattainable. Like if the goal for you is certain hope is placed in comfort, like life is just uncomfortable sometimes. It just is. And another thing that's insane about putting our ladder up against this one and placing our hope in the place of comfort is if your life is primarily about being comfortable, 
it also lacks, a lot of times it lacks purpose. Because anything worth doing requires risk. And if I've got to risk it, i got to get uncomfortable. And so there's this tension between, I know I really want to really do cool things with my life, but also I like naps. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I want abs, but also I don't really want to work out to do them. Like I want money, but also I don't really want to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, so th- this is the place that the majority of people, this is if you struggle with comfort. I want relationships. I want relationships with people. I just don't want the problems that come with relationships. Then you don't want relationships. It's like half of relationships, right? And so, um, but I was thinking about comfort, and I was thinking, none of us when we were six years old, like asleep at night, just laying in the bed before, before we went to sleep, just thinking about our lives and the cool things we were going to do, it. none of us were like sitting around dreaming about like, all right, God, if I could just, God, if I could just be mediocre, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would, that would be so great. If I just didn't have to experience pain or hard things or problems or... You know, if I could just avoid that and then just die in my sleep, that would be great. That's really what I want to do. I just want to be mediocre. I don't care. I have to do great things. It's fine. I'll just, like, just be right here, right? That's, none of us thought that. Everybody was like, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be the president. I mean, you know, like, everybody was like, here's some big dreams and aspirations for my life. God-sized goals. And, and comfort is the enemy to all of that, right? And comfort is a place that can't hold our hope. So uh, the joy and the peace that God offers us that we're after. It can't be found when we place our hope in comfort. Maybe, maybe comfort's not a thing for you. You're like, I'm good on that, right? I'm in CrossFit. I'm good. I don't like comfort, right? I wake up at 5 a.m. I take cold showers, or whatever, like whatever your thing is. Okay, cool. But maybe your thing is approval. Yeah, got you, right? Maybe your thing is approval, and, and maybe, you're, maybe you're, you're putting your ladder and your hope in the approval of others. I just want to be liked. I just want to be loved, you just like me already? Why aren't they liking it? Nobody like, nobody shared it. Nobody, you know, like, and, it's, and this is what social media has done to us. Primarily, we are so wrapped up in the approval, sometimes of people that we don't even know. And even if you knew them, you wouldn't even like them. It's so insane where we're at now when it comes uh, to this certain hope that we put in the approval of others. And then what happens is when we don't get their approval, we're so anxious, right? Did I do too much? Did I not do enough? constantly evaluating if we blew it. Uh, did, did I offend them? Did I come across the right way? Where, anytime fear of man is where I put my certain hope, anytime the approval of man is where I put my certain hope, ooh, they will let you down. You will let me down. I will let you down, right? And, and if I put, if, if rather I'm focused on, hey, I want the, the approval of God, one, I already have that in Christ. What a great promise that is. But but if I'm more primarily focused on where am I at with God rather than the approval of man, man, that just frees me up in a real way. I want to say if you're in leadership, like maybe you own a business or you lead in the community or you're in education or whatever, whatever your thing is, you can't lead this way. You can, and the, if anything, the last two years with COVID and everything else that's gone on, the political climate, uh, civil unrest, everything that's gone on, you can't lead this way. You can't lead going, who, who, how can I not offend everyone? Rather than, what is true? Stay the course. What's the thing? Instead of being focused on putting my, my hope, my certain hope in the approval of others. Because, again, I'll get let down by that. And so maybe it's not comfort. Maybe it's not the approval of others. Maybe it's control. Ooh. Maybe, maybe it's control. I'll put my hope in the ability to control. If I could just control, I could just get all my people 
and we'll just be real. I'll just control it, right? We'll just control it, and I'll just get my family, and I'll just get my relationships. I control my kids. I control my spouse. I control my health. I control all the variables, the weather. I control the weather, right? The pandemic, yeah. And, but you've never been in control, and you will never be in control. I'm not saying don't steward. I'm not saying don't have a plan. Have a plan. I'm just saying there's going to be things outside of your control that happen that if you place your certain hope in your ability to control, when it happens, your world's going to come crashing down because you're going to get a phone call. We've all had, if, if you haven't had a phone call, you will have a phone call. You will get a phone call, and this one right here, hope will not hold it. Uh, control won't hold your hope. And so comfort, approval, it could be control. Maybe it's this one. Maybe it's power. So, again, these are four source idols that we run after. Maybe it's power. And you're like, I don't struggle with power. Here's what power looks like. You want, to, you want success. You want to win. And if you lose, it's a measure of your worth. You're supposed to win. Right? You're, you're, you're competitive. It's the way you've been wired. You're after it. You're ambitious. But it, and that's great. Again, success is not bad. It's when I put success in the place of God. It's when I put success and achieving an ambition over what I know God's asking me to do. It's when I put a good thing in the place of a God thing. And, and success won't hold you. Again, it won't hold hope either. Um, because what's going to happen is at some point, you're going to lose. And you may be here and you're like, bro, you don't know me. We're undefeated. You will lose, okay? You will lose. And it doesn't matter. Your trophy case is special. Your mom loves it. That's awesome. Your 401k, they gave you a Rolex when you retired. No one cares. You will at some point fail. It is part of the human condition. I'm going to prove it to you. How many of you at some point have failed in a relationship? You failed in a relationship. 15 of us. Excellent. Okay. Whatever. How many of you have, how many of you have failed financially? How many of you have failed like in a business adventure or something like that, right? And so, and how many of you failed in this exercise? You didn't raise your hand at all. You're a liar, right? So you just failed. But it's the human condition to fail. It's really, I mean, this is, bibl- this is what the gospel is. So we're like, sometimes in the South, for whatever reason, in the church, we have a tendency to pretend like bad things don't happen or hard things don't happen or we're not human or we don't fail. That's why you need Jesus. What are we even talking about? That's the good news. The fact that I can boast in my weakness and in my failure is attached to the gospel. Christianity creates a space for us to say we are weak. And so i got to be careful not to put certain hope in, in, in the place of power or in the place of success. Because if I do that and I don't win, now all of a sudden I'm humiliated. Now all of a sudden it's a measure of my worth when it shouldn't be. And so it doesn't matter how successful you are currently. And it doesn't mean that you can't experience success or that it's bad. It's just not going to hold your hope. It's not going to hold your hope. And so if you put your hope in these places... Your joy and your peace are attached. That's what Romans 15 tells us. And, and, uh, and what you need, if, if it's approval or control or comfort and power, your joy and your peace will be affected by your circumstances, by your environment, what you go through, who let you down. All that will be affected where you place that certain hope. And so what's the answer? And I know you're thinking he's going to say Jesus. Jesus, okay, but, but also, but this is important, um, it's what Jesus allows for us. In Christ, we can claim the promises of God. So God has over 7,000 promises in his word, 
things that he said, this will happen. And a lot of them are conditional. If you do this, then this. And we'll read the promises of God and we'll go, I like that. And we're like, and God's like, yes, but also the condition. Don't forget the condition. And we're like, oh, dang. You know, so he's like, hey, if you apply my word, if you're obedient, here's the outcome. But there's over 7,000 of these. And so when God has for us, what he wants for us is he wants unwavering joy and peace that stands firm on the other side of us placing our hope and our trust where it belongs. I'm going to put my certain hope in Jesus and what God has said about his promises attached to Jesus. This is what Hebrews 6 says. Hebrews 6, 16 through 19. When people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. And so uh, the practice is, I'm going to make a promise. I need someone else of greater influence, greater credibility. I'm going to make an oath. Okay, we're good. Everybody's good. I'm making this promise. We're good. And this is something, if we're honest, this is what we still do today. But here's what it says. You keep reading. It says, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God made a promise. And as God, he made an oath to himself about the promise. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have a great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Listen to this. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for the souls. Basically, Hebrews 6 is saying you can go to the bank on the promises of God for your life. So when you have people in your life who let you down, and they will. When you have a vocational direction or a job opportunity or an income or health or some of you are young or your youth or whatever the things you place your hope in currently lets you down. He's saying, listen, the promises of God are yes in Christ. And and we get to say as the people of God a resounding amen because of what God has for us in Jesus. And so this certain hope is strong and trustworthy. It's like an anchor. I don't know how many of you are into boating. If you're into boating. All right. So uh, what does an anchor do? A storm comes up in a storm. An anchor will help you uh, with the pitch. Right. An anchor will help you stay secure so you can stay in one place. And instead of the boat, the boat rolling all over the place, it just it stays more secure in the storm. Even if it's not even if you're not going through a hard thing. An anchor is important because if let's say you're boating and you're like, hey, let's go over here. We're going to go swimming. Hey, let's go over here. We're going to go fishing. You go to wherever it is that you want to go and you park that boat. What happens if you don't drop an anchor? You drift. Drop the anchor. You stay where it is that you want to stay. And so biblically, he's saying, listen, this this hope that we have in Christ and the promises that God has for us in Jesus are an anchor for the soul. They help you to stay regardless of what's going on in your life. You could be going through hell. You could have the worst season of your life, the most broken space that you've ever experienced in your life. And if your certain hope is attached to Jesus, if your certain hope is where it's supposed to be, you can, you're given over to joy and peace, even in a really crazy hard situation. And we know this because the apostle Paul lived this way. We've seen biblical, plenty, of, plenty of biblical evidence, and you may even know people in your life who've experienced this, like per, you've experienced personally um, with them what this looks like. But there's over 7,000 promises for us in the Bible, and certain hope is 
based on the fact that God can't deny himself. He can't deny himself. There are certain things that God can't do because he's self-limited only by his own character. He cannot undermine his word. He's given his word. And I love that when, man, I love the, the story I love about Christmas is that for the people of God, they were waiting. They had an, they had an expectant hope. So there was, there was some basis for their hope. But they also had 400 years of silence. And God can't deny himself. He can't deny his word. And when he finally spoke, that word put on flesh and dwelt among us. And now all of a sudden, in Christ, we have certain hope. Because of what Jesus did for us, listen, he was born under the law of a woman so that those of us who are under the law could be freed, could, be, could experience redemption. Here's where we were placing all of our hope before, on the approval of others, on comfort, on success, on the ability to, to hit all the marks and be good enough. And in Christ, no longer is our hope in our own effort. Now my hope is in Jesus. And so I'm basing my hope on God's promises in Christ, not my circumstances, not my feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. They are lying to you. And, and other people will lie to you. But God's promises, you can take them to the bank. And so I'm going to just finish out our time tonight. I'm just going to read you some promises that God has for you in Christ. And then, uh, then we're going to close in prayer. This is Romans 10, 9, 13. If you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus is who he says he is. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord, you're going to be saved. As a promise. Again, it's a conditional promise. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Not if you attend church. Church is not a thing to attend. It's who you are. If you read your Bible, if your mom and daddy is, no one cares. If you, no, if I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and then I confess him with my mouth, I have salvation. That's the promise. How about this one? Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, anyone, anyone if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and dine with him and he with me i love that such a powerful reminder that jesus is standing at your door anyone you're like jesus ain't standing at my door you don't know my door you don't know all the things i've done you don't know who i am you know what i brought in this room my family dragged me here i got all kinds of baggage you don't know my door jesus is standing at your door anyone doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter what you said, doesn't matter what, what your life has looked like up to this point, Jesus standing at your door, anyone. There's nothing that you, there's, there's no offense, there's no sin, there's no brokenness in, in your life so great that God's grace does not run further. As a matter of fact, this whole room, for those of us who are in Christ, who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, we know how jacked up we are. Welcome to the club, okay? All right, this is what it means to be the, the church. Again, I boast in weakness in my fears what Christ has done on my behalf, not what I've done in my good merit or my works or any of that. If there's goodness, if there's love, if there's joy, if there's peace, if there's any fruit coming out of me, it's God's work in me. 
And so again, Christ comes, he knocks on anybody's door. Such a good promise. Proverbs 8, 17. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. God, again, it's conditional. God says, hey, if you seek me, you will find me. Some of us are like, I tried diligently. Oh, okay, hold up. I mean, I tried for a few weeks, but diligently, right? And then keep going. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, which just means changing your mind about who God is and changing your mind about who you are in relationship to who God is. That's what repentance means. But I love it because it says God's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, because we get frustrated with God sometimes when we pray for a thing, believe for a thing, and it doesn't happen in our timetable. Like, God, where are you at? Like, I've been waiting. I, I prayed. I prayed three weeks. As if somehow God's subject to my time. Listen, if you make time, you're outside of it. You can do what you want with it, okay? And God's promises are true regardless of when it comes through. It could be tomorrow. It could be the next day. It could be next week. It could be years. It will happen if he says it will happen. I was thinking about, this this hit me last service, and it was just a God thing. I was thinking about the book, uh, Gospel Comes with a House Key. And Brooke was reading a a book by a lady named Rosaria Butterfield. And she was talking about her own personal faith. And um, she wasn't a believer. She was far from God. She was an atheist. But when she came to faith, her mom was far from God as well. And for years, she prayed for her mom, never came to faith. For years, I mean, just prayed for her mom. And then literally, as she was sick, on her deathbed is when she came to faith in Christ. And I think for some of us, we just lack perseverance which honestly hope will give you more perseverance if it's put in the right place. Hope will give me like a staidness and a conviction and a perseverance to just keep doing the thing that God asked me to do regardless of what it looks like. Because again, hope is, is based in reality. Yeah, it's bad. It looks bad. But still, <laughs> his promise, right? And so take that one to the bank. I love it. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you. I'm thinking about, um, thinking about his patience and how I grow frustrated again sometimes when things don't happen in my timeline or, or the way that I think they ought to happen. And then God reminds me real quick, do you know how patient I am with you, Michael? Do you have any idea how patient I am? with you he's very patient with me I want you to take inventory of all the hard lessons you've learned all the things you're still unpacking that onion as you peel it man it just takes time again salvation happens in a moment sanctification is a lifetime of just learning what it means to put off the old self to surrender to just continually look like Christ and he's just patient he's so patient Jeremiah 29 12 through 13 this is this is my last one Uh, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. God says, hey, if you pray to me, I will listen to you. And then he says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Again, you will seek me and you will find me if, condition, what? You search for me with everything you got. With, With all your heart. 
don't lay down, don't surrender majority of your life. Lay it all down. Go all in. You get to be God of everything that I have, my time and my relationships and my talents and my treasure and all the things that I placed my hope in before, I'm going to take them all back. I'm going to put my hope where it belongs. My whole heart. I want to give you my whole heart. And as I do that, I find him. (laughs) And so I want you to think about the promises. Again, that's just a handful. It's so good. We could do this all night. But think about the promises that God has for you in Christ. And then think about where you place your hope. Where have you put your hope? And then tonight, what we're going to do to close out, I want you to grab those cards that you got when you came in. Top of them say survey. And then just take a minute and fill those out. If you're new to our church family, that's a vehicle for us to get you more information and just serve you better with who we are and what we do. There's a place for you to put prayer needs. There's a place for you to just tell us what we can do to serve you better in terms of teaching. But down there at the bottom, it says A, B, C, D. That's the part I want to talk through right now. A, if you mark A, it just lets us know, hey, I'm already putting my hope, my certain hope is in Jesus. It's not in, it's not that I don't ever struggle with some of the things we talked about tonight, but man, I've placed my salvation and my hope, my security, my surrender is in Christ. Uh, B is, hey, tonight or just in this season, man, God has shifted my heart and my perspective and I need to confess him. I need to do exactly what we talked about tonight. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I need a moment of confession. I need to let somebody know where I stand. B is I'm believing in Christ. And now my hope is where it's supposed to be. Not in other people, not in my job, not in anything outside of my, uh, you know, anything that can let me down. My hope is in Jesus. That's B. And then C is continue to pray for me. Like I'm not there yet. I don't even know why I'm not there yet, but I'm just not there. Continue to pray for me. And then D is I don't intend to ever make that decision or don't bother me or whatever like you feel like but people really do put that down so just tell us because we're not going to bother you but we will pray for you and just kind of let us know where you're at and this just lets us know hey where's my hope at and then as we close out we're going to worship together band is going to lead us in a song and the team's going to come and we're going to collect these cards so we know what to pray for know where people at in terms of hope and then uh, we're going to end the night with a candlelight Uh, the the candlelight part of the service, okay? But I'm gonna pray for us right now. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the hope that we have in you. It is an anchor for the soul. When everything else around around us um, changes and shifts, God, when we navigate uh, hard seasons or bad news or relationship struggles or whatever, you never change and your promises are always true. So thank you, God, that you are who you say you are and and you spoke and and your word you can't deny your word and that 2,000 years ago you spoke and and your word put on flesh and walked among us and lived a perfect life and died a sinless death and came to redeem us under the law Jesus you laid down your life and you were executed on our behalf and and as you were executed you took our sins and our brokenness and our shame and everything to the cross You you defeated death, you defeated hell, you defeated the grave, you defeated every bit of that. We have victory, not in our own effort, but in you. Not in my own strength. I can't put my hope there, my ability to do something or impress people. or I can't put my hope there. I can only put my hope in you. And so if you're here tonight and you've never had the moment where you fully surrender your life to Jesus, 
I'm not talking about mentally assent to the gospel or mentally assent to the idea of the resurrection or the idea of God or heaven or something like that. I'm saying you give your life to Jesus. I'm saying you're believing and you're putting your hope in Jesus, not in comfort, not in some false sense of security, not in some success, not in power, not in the approval of others, not in any of the things we've talked about, control, any, any of those places we put our hope, but only in Jesus. And as, as the Bible read, as we read it a minute ago, just say, Jesus, I give you my whole heart. I give you my whole heart. And I'm, I'm sorry that I've been distracted, made it about me. I just didn't know. Until this moment, I finally see you for who you are. By the power of the Holy Spirit, lift my head and help me to see the person of Christ. And I, Jesus, I believe that your resurrection has implications for my own. So thank you that you came, born of a woman, born of the law, to rescue and redeem people like me who are under the law. Never can work my way to heaven in my own effort, but you've done everything on my behalf. Grateful for the grace that you offer. I, I'm sorry, I forget it. But now moving forward, God, I want you to take everything that you've given me. God, I want you to use it for your glory. Help me to steward well the people in my life and my time. And help me to root myself in your word. Know your promises for my life. Give me over to that hope so that I can experience the joy and the peace on the other side of it. God, we're grateful for what you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.